All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What what is happening? Happy Thursday. I hope you got everything you wanted. I hope you got I hope you're all sated. Sated and uh celebrated. I got to be honest with you, man. I'm carrying about 3 pounds I don't want. Is that wrong to say? Right out of the gate. What the fuck is wrong with you? Why can't you eat four pieces of Trace Leche's cake and a piece of olive oil cake or three and some cobbler with vanilla ice cream in six minutes? Why can't you do all that? There, I, sh- I should have won something at that party. There should have been an award given when someone said, "Did we didn't even put the icing on that cake yet. Who ate all that? Uh, me. I thought it was done. It was not supposed to. It's just not. Oh, it's got... You're going to put icing on it. I'll, I'll try it with the icing then. Yeah, I was that guy. I was the guy who showed up early when the caterers were still putting out food at the at, a, at friends of mine houses, their house. They had a, a catered event. Uh, my buddy Al Madrigal and his uh, wife, Kristen, do this every year. And I always show up at, if it's a party supposed to start at 6, I'm there about 6.02, I made an olive oil cake. What did you make? Did you make anything? I made two olive oil cakes. Here's what happened, you guys. Let me, let's, before we really delve into my eating disorder on this holiday, why don't we talk, uh, frankly, about uh, who's on the show. Brittany Howard is on the show today. You may know her as the guitarist and singer of Alabama Shakes. Uh, she released her first solo album in September called uh, Jamie, which is great. So is the Alabama Shakes Records. Great. She's an amazing talent, as us older host types say. This woman is one of the great talents coming up. She'll be here in a little while. But getting back to the cakes. See, now what's happened is, I remember from back in the day, like I'm saying this to people who might have been there before. You guys remember when the Madrigals used to cook their own food? And now they got caterers doing it. You remember back when the Madrigals did their own food cooking? Kristen's a great cook. She made the Yule Log. I'm giving you too much information. I don't know if she wants this much attention or if Al does. Al's a great actor and comic, been a friend of mine for years. We don't talk as much as we should, but when we do talk, we always enjoy it. Maybe we should just leave it at that. Why push it? Once, twice a year? How much do you need from a person? So here's what happened to me. As some of you know, I was in, uh, I was in Atlanta shooting some uh, footage for a movie. And I've got this ridiculous beard going, and uh, Lynn just told me that my my head looks good long. My face looks good long. That can't be true. I have an enormous head. I think she's being generous, and now I have this long beard, so it makes my face look longer. And I must look like some. I must look like a strange, some kind of like weird. Like is that guy half human, half head? <laughs> That's what that is. Giant head. So. Anyways, I ate a bunch of cake. I ate a bunch of cake in Atlanta because it was left over on the set. And I ate it compulsively and quickly. And it got me, it got me, got my, my, got my sugar jones going again, right? So I'm flying back from Atlanta and then I'm on the plane and I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, man. I forgot I downloaded this New York Times recipe app, the New York Times cooking business. So I'm on the plane and I'm like, I, I haven't been using that enough. Let's take a look at what's going on. Maybe some holiday ideas. Ooh, cakes. When was the last time I made a cake? Point being, I got home from Atlanta and I just you know dug in. I pulled out my old baking pans. I started going at it. I wanted to make a perfect olive oil cake because I like olive oil cake. It seems simple. But really, in my heart, what I wanted to do 
was when you have a compulsive uh, eating thing, which anybody does around cake, uh, you bake the cake because you want to see if you can bake the cake, primarily to eat about a quarter of it and then figure out how not to throw away the rest and get rid of it. That's the game. I'm going to bake a cake. I'm going to eat like a few pieces of it quickly, judge the cake, and then figure out what do I do with the rest of this cake? Do I throw it away? Do I go give it to my neighbor? Do I have people over? Do I put it in my car in case I run into somebody that needs cake? That happens. Dude, you need a cake? Fuck yeah, I do. You're in luck. I have one in my car. So, I made two olive oil cakes because the first one I fucked up. I put one too many eggs in it. It was still delicious. I ate a bunch of it. So, so you understand what I'm saying? So that's three pieces of the one that wasn't made properly but was excellent. Then three pieces of the one that I didn't know what to do with, so I bring it over to Al's. So I ate half a cake. That's what happened. And I got over to Al's early. Showed I sliced the cake. I took it out. I didn't take bring it as a cake. I brought it as slices of cake. And I, and I did... You know, as people walked in and they were looking at things, they were, if they just looked towards where my cake was, I'm like, I doubt that's an olive oil cake. You like that? I made that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's like all this beautiful food everywhere. Whole plates of like cold cuts and cold cuts. There's that. What do you call that now? Charcuterie? How about a, a platter of cold cuts? Nope. It was charcuterie, which is expensive cold cuts that aren't really cut for sandwiches. With cheese... Breeze, Humboldt, Fog. Is that the one with the blue line in it that won the prizes? I think so. Chunks of cheddar. The point is, I fucking ate everything. I ate cheese like I'd never eaten cheese before. Waited around for the tacos. People were eating it before. It, you know, was it? What am I talking about? People. I did it. I did it. I ate stuff before. The, I'm eating the meat before the tortillas come out with my hands. Like I fucking never ate before. I had a good time though. A lot of comics were there. I saw Burr. Burr was there. Casher, Legero, Weinbach and his two brothers. There were three Weinbachs. Louis Katz was there. Is it, isn't I outing people? Brendan Walsh. Hadn't seen him in a while. That was fun. Tom Papa. Yeah, and then some people I didn't know. There were other comics there too that I feel like I'm missing people. Always nice to to hang out the, with the crew, meet some new people, eat some food. So much Trace Leche's cake. Here's what I'm getting at. I'm about three pounds uncomfortable. Not that it fucking matters. I'm sure there's plenty of people that can relate to this. How many of us put on a few pounds over the holidays? Raise them up. See, look at that. Almost everybody. (laughs) All right. So I got a Christmas story for you. You know how you hear a lot of, of, you know, these stories about people, goodwill, you know, like people forgiving debts, people feeding the homeless, you know, nice people going to hospitals and, you know, bringing presents to um, people with cancer, whatever. I'm going to share my touching Christmas story. It's not It's not too sad. It's only sad. No, it's not. Well, depends what your spectrum is for sensitivity on this. But like if I told you I got a flat tire on Christmas morning, would 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 that be sad to you? Or just sort of like, that's a bummer. I would hope that would be more the response, not like, oh my God, that's terrible, Mark. I got a flat at Al Magical's house. Like, I got a flat two days ago. And I went and I, and, and, and it was a slow leak. I didn't know how bad it was going to leak. And I drove my, my car to Al's house for the party, knowing that it might run out of air by the end of the party, which it did. And uh, then I had to change the tire. But there was a bunch of people there. And I, it's amazing how stubborn I There were two teenage boys 
there with their dad and some other guests who but i'm changing the tire i'm fucking loosening uh, i'm loosening the lug nut nuts on my own i know how to change a tire i'm not fucking incapacitated i'm not some old guy and all of a sudden i'm surrounded by like boys and men who are just hijacking the process and i'm like no i got this and Al's like, why don't you let the, them do it? I'm like, what am I? What, what am I, 70? What am I, incapable? So I had to like just surrender that and, and let them do it. These were friends of Al's. And I asked him how much I should tip him. And he said, you don't tip people who are just helping you change a tire. And they're guests of mine. They're my friends. They're not, we didn't call them. So anyway, I drove it home the next morning. I immediately got a patch. And then like all of a sudden it's leaking like fuck again. And I don't know what to do. In the, and on Christmas morning, it's flat. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm, finally, I get to change my own tire without interference. I can be, I just do the manly thing, prove to myself and to others that I can change a tire yeah, probably in about 10 minutes. So I'm going at it in my driveway. I got my dumb little jack that comes with the car. Got the tire. I loosened the lug nuts, which took all my body, body weight almost. And I'm about to change the tire. Then the dude across the street, who I don't really know who I talked to, I've made assumptions about. He's definitely a car guy. He's got an old truck. He's got a Corvette. He drives a motorcycle. He lives in the house across from me. I made assumptions about him. Like he's one of those hot rod dudes. Like, you know, kind of like a dude, dude, alpha, you know, dude, fucking car guy, guy. Which, I, you know, I got no beef with that. My buddy Dean's one of those guys. But I just never, I, I never thought that we'd, you know, whatever. I never thought we'd cross paths or that we'd become friends. I, I met him, and but it always seemed like, I'll tell you what it seemed like, me projecting a personality onto a person and then reacting to that personality as if he's that person, that guy. So I'm in the middle of uh, doing my own manly thing with my tire, and he comes walking over. He's like, what's up? And I'm like, I uh, got a flat. I'm going to put the spare on. He's like, do you want me to bring my jack, the good kind, you know, the car guy jack? The kind that's like, you know, I don't remember what you call them, but you know, the kind they have a tire places. I'm like, I got it. He's like, no, you don't. Those are, that, that jack says, those are terrible, but leave it up. I'll go get my jack and we'll just knock it out. And I'm like, all right, okay, car guy. So he goes and gets his jack and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I got, you know, I was going at it with my jack, with the little jack, r- rising to the occasion, overcoming obstacles. But now a Troy, the car guy, has got my car up. He's got his lug nut thing. He's fucking taking it off. He says he's got he's got a patch thing kit at his house. He's got a compressor. You know, we're we're and he was watching a movie. He comes out. The point of this story is not to be judgmental or feel that I was um emasculated. It was that he saw me changing my tire from his kitchen window. He's in the middle of watching a movie on Christmas morning, comes over to help me change my tire. It was a very nice thing to do. And we found out there was a second nail in the tire. And that's the deeper message here, I think, is that, um, you know, sometimes you get a flat and you get it fixed only to find that your tire had two nails in it. What's that about? I don't know, but it sounds like one of those analogies to me. Sometimes you think you got one nail in you and you got two, so you're still leaking. That's what that means. Put that in the Buddha book. Hey, why am I still leaking? Not your day, man. Got a second nail in you. Two fucking nails in the same fucking tire in the same period of time. Different size nails. 
Anyway, that was the Christmas story that my neighbor came and helped me change my tire on Christmas morning, and I appreciate that. I'm very excited to talk to uh, my guest, Brittany. I was very excited to talk to her. Brittany Howard's amazing singer and songwriter and guitar player, too, and I just was always sort of like, what is up with that person? And I got an opportunity to, to find out a little. So this is me talking to Brittany, who is lead singer and guitarist of Alabama Shakes, also her first solo album, Jamie. Uh, was released in September. It's very good. They're all good. She's nominated for two Grammys, Best Rock Song and Best Rock Performance for History Repeats, the name of the tune. And uh, this is uh, me and her talking when she came over that time. You play SGs? I play SGs. I... Also, I don't really care what guitar I play as long as it's not brand new. Because in brand yeah. new pickups, they bother me. But the SG definitely has uh, a tone. Well, mine is actually kind of broken. Really? Yeah, so the pickups are kind of yeah. corroded, so yeah. it has a different sound. Oh, really? Which is why I kept playing it. It's corroded on the inside? I think so, yeah. yeah. And, and I told everybody, to, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah. Because if you fix it, I, this, then I can't play it. <laughs> yeah. I've got a one of a kind right now. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't fuck it up. Exactly. And, so. uh, but, but it is kind of weird because I've owned own a couple guitars. I'm not a professional guitar player, but um, that's one of the ones I don't have is that SG. And that, mm. those things, they get, they got a real edge to them. They got a real bite to them. Mm-hmm. And you play the shit out of it. Yeah, that, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, I guess I, I do what it's created for. Yeah. Um, it, it can it can get hot when yeah. I need to get hot, and yeah. it can mellow out, too. Right, so. it can, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I, not too heavy. No, that's the thing. I can't yeah. play a Les Paul. Too heavy. It then kills my shoulder. It does, too, right? Too yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't fly away with that thing. Yeah, you know who else said that? You know, uh, for the exact the reason he plays SGs is Angus Young uh-huh. from ACDC. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to move around with a Les Paul. You got to work out. They're they're heavy. Yeah. So when did you start like to play, playing guitar? I first started playing guitar when I was eleven years old. That's about when I started. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And what uh, did you want to? Or did your mom make you? Or no, I really wanted to. Yeah. I saw a band play for the first time when I was 11, and that same instant, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. That's it? Just watch it. It was just a band like from our school playing yeah. at this, in the old school gym yeah. on stage. Yeah. You know, they, they probably yeah. weren't even that good, but I remember it being like them being gods. Really? Were they like a high school band? Or? Yeah, it was just kids like four years older than me. <laughs> you don't you don't remember what they were playing or anything? You just remember it was cool? I just remember their band name was Stoned Phillips. Stoned Phillips? <laughs> yeah. If there's anyone from Stoned Phillips listening, reach out. Yes. And wh- where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, North Alabama, a town called Athens, Alabama. North Alabama? I have no sense of that. I uh, have it's, no just, s- it's just right up top. But what was the scene there? I mean, I've heard of Athens, Georgia. I never heard of Athens, Alabama. How'd you end up there? Are your folks from there? Yeah, I mean, on both sides of my family, we've been there for generations. Oh, really? Yeah, just the same area for like you know two hundred years. Wow, that's yeah, pretty crazy. Do you, Do you know about it? Do you know about the the history of your family? Uh not much. Just no? a little bit. You know, not 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 too 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 much. I always ask my dad too, like, Dad, tell me about you know where we're yeah. from and what it's what's about. Yeah, and he just you know he told me one story that um, my great great grandfather actually owned a lot of land 
which was very unusual for huh. a black man back then. Oh, yeah. Where we're from. So I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I owned a lot of acres, like, I mean, 100 plus acres. Really? Yeah. In but, Alabama? Mm-hmm, Alabama. And, and that's... That's the coolest kind of fact I have, really. <laughs> we don't really focus so much on the past. No? Yeah. It's not It's not of interest, necessarily? or No, it's just where you're going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where you're going is better. Yeah. Yeah, than where, where, where everything came I come from. from. Yeah, 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 yeah. You sort of cover that on the new record a little bit, don't hmm. you? Kind of spinning out, like getting out of the past and repeating yourself and acknowledging where you are and how you're going to move forward. Yeah, you know, it's not a new train of thought by any means. <laughs> no, but but it's one of those ones when you're up against it, you know, getting lost in nostalgia or what could have been. Mm-hmm. It 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 is something the brain will do if you let it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's our base nature is to stay where it's comfortable. Mm. You know, we're just human beings and we're still related to the cavemen and that's still part of our brain. Yeah. And we want to stay where it's comfortable. But yeah. then for me, it's so much more exciting to just keep moving forward and keep moving ahead and you have know, you always been like that yeah, yeah yeah i actually have to practice too like being still uh-huh. being present yeah because i'm always flying like i just want to go do the next thing and see how that feels and I'm, I'm just a person that really craves like experiences and yeah oh really yeah no <clears throat> fear no, I have fear, but also it's like I'm gonna die too, like eventually. So just let's let's do something. <laughs> yeah, let's do something while we're here. Right. Yeah, something good, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yes. So what what kind of uh what was your family? What was uh how many are there of you? There's me. Yeah. And there's my mom and my dad. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. When I was younger, I had a sister. Yeah. Who passed away from a really rare form of cancer. Yeah. Yeah. That was about twenty-one years ago. Now that's the one that her name was Jamie. Jamie, and you named the record for her. I did. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember her? Oh yeah. I mean, it's the craziest thing. Like, I don't know if you have in your life anyone that you're very close to that passed away. In high school, I knew a guy. Right. Yeah. They're they remain with you. So there's not a day that really goes by that I don't talk to her, ask for advice. To me, that's a very natural. Like relationship to have with, with someone who's passed over. Was she older than you? Mm-hmm, four years. Four years, and how old was she when she passed? 13. Oh, so you were like, you were nine. Yeah, I was nine years old. So that's not like, you know, you, that you got memories. Yeah, I got memories, absolutely. Good memories, great memories. And, you know, of course, bad ones too, but it, it's a waste of time to really focus on those bad memories. Like I, What, nine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And um, my sister is someone... I celebrate and naming a record after her just felt like the only possible scenario. Yeah. Cause it's something I I'm doing for the first time on my own uh-huh. producing. Yeah. Uh, writing all the songs on my own, making all the decisions for the tonality of the record and what's being said and how I'm saying it and how everything's coming across. Uh-huh. And that's me. And then within that, a big part of me was my sister and, and the memory she left me. Because all the things she loved, yeah. I she taught me how to love them. Like what? Uh, art. Yeah. M- music. Yeah. Instruments. Learning. She knew that. Like she knew that much. That was what she was into when she was. That oh young. yeah, she was brilliant. Oh. Absolutely brilliant. She was a poet, oh. musician, artist. She could do anything, and she taught me how to do everything. Because we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, so my sister's like, oh, "I'll show you how to have fun." You yeah. Know? We'll go back out here, pretend we're riding horses, <laughs> and just run around the yard. <laughs> you sure, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, so that's those are great memories. Yes, yeah, it is great. It's good that like I, I as as tragic as it is, it's good that you have them. You know, I talked to um, Sean Lennon in here, mm-hmm. and like you know, he you know he has to n- kind of nurture and maintain because he was five right when John got shot, so he has to kind of protect those few that he has mm-hmm. and hold them, like you know you know kind of nurture them, yeah, so they stay alive. Absolutely, isn't that a trip? And like he, in the same way, he, you know, he learned about who his father was through learning how to play Beatles songs. Wow, is why you guys are on the same label, I think. Wow, are you, I, but ATO. Yeah, yeah. He, his. I think that's the Les Claypool thing that he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in the same way, you know, you kind of remember your sister is giving you these gifts of interest in these things that she was passionate about, mm-hmm. so that stays alive. Yes, stays alive, but also saying the name and then not bringing any sorrow or sadness but it's like saying the name feeling powerful and empowered by it and saying like this is my resistance to falling into being sad and staying in the memory trap and never living my own life because of grief and I think naming the record Jamie after my sisters also really helped my parents as well oh yeah yeah because now that there's something attached to it that's not sadness oh right and it's me. I made it. So yeah. they get to look at that and say it and be proud. And I have to worry about what people think, you know. Yeah. So did, did you find that the, the grief, like, just hung over them the, your whole life of losing her? Yes. Mm. 20 years. Yeah. You know, yeah, my dad, he, he, he they're, they're absolutely different people. They're totally different people, my mother and my father. My dad, I feel like he dealt with it in his own private way, and my mother had a much harder time. Yeah, they're not together? No, no, no. They split. Yeah? Yeah, same year my sister passed away, they split. Do you think it was because of that? Because it couldn't handle the weight of it? I think they were just, despite whether my sister had survived or passed away, I think they probably should have split. Yeah. They're they're just too different. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. What's What's your old man do? He's a used car salesman. And what's your mom do? Um... My mom, she she works with animals. Yeah, rescues animals. Oh, really? Yeah, she's an animal person. Definitely freelance animal rescuer. She do it for freelance. A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime there's an animal in need of rescuing, she'll come. That says she got like five German shepherds, <laughs> two potbelly pigs, a potbelly pig, like twenty goats, just goats. Yeah. Did yeah. she milk them? Uh, no, thank God. <laughs> Her goat, her goat. She needs to get some more goats in the breeding population because they're coming out weird now. They are. Yeah. Some someone got three nipples. Someone ain't got no nipples. <laughs> Does she live on a farm? I hope. Or? Yeah, they got like a farm situation. Okay. It's not an apartment. Or no. A, or, or a house. <laughs> it's just going crammed with goats. Oh, she needs to be on Animal Planet. <laughs> oh, that sounds funny. If that was the case. So, like in the spirit, like well, that, well, that's interesting because like I've talked to, I've had Blake Mills in here. I know Blake. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like mm-hmm. I talk to him because uh, you know he's kind of an amazing guitar player but he did such an amazing job you know producing uh, sound and color your record right mm-hmm. you work with that guy mm-hmm. and then the i don't like the the first record who did your first record i uh, produced it uh, we, we did you just did it yeah which sounded great yeah we did we were really young too like now that i think about it that was a very long time ago it was right 2012 11 12 yeah. yeah yeah it's crazy yeah I mean, and, and so when does it start to like? You start playing at eleven, which I imagine, in 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 the shadow of losing your sister, had to bring some relief too, right? The guitar. Yeah, I just um, me growing up as a child, there was a lot of grief and sadness. 
So I think having my own power over yeah. my own world through creation, yeah, that was my bright spot. Yeah. So I would just go in my room and taught myself how to play. Yeah, from chord charts or what? I just listened. Just really? Figured I should have. No guitar lessons? No, 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 no. Nope. And you were just on like a borrowed acoustic? Well, it was my sister's guitar. She oh. she had a guitar from like Make-A-Wish Foundation, I think it was. It was like one of these old J.C. Penney, Les Paul knockoffs. Oh, yeah. To this day, I won't play a Les Paul. So it's... A, so it's a, it was electric you started with. It was electric. I didn't have an amp for the longest time, so I just, I mean, I was just, I just wanted to play, and I made it happen. And were you just, were you learning songs? Yeah, you know, I started off with the songs I could figure out, like Green Day. Uh, Green Day's your first ones? I, yeah. I learned how to play Longview uh-huh. on somebody's bass, because I didn't have, you know, like, I, I had smashed that guitar, because my mom, she, <laughs> this is a terrible story, but... <laughs> I smashed my sister's guitar because my mom was, it was so precious to my mother. And I don't think my mother was understanding that, like, I am playing the guitar. I know Uh it belongs to my sister, but this is now my guitar. So I went and smashed it. (laughs) Really? To teach your mom a lesson? Oh, God. It was a horrible thing to do, but I was just frustrated. I was just so frustrated. And and, uh, I smashed it, and I was like, now I'll I'll have to get a new one. (laughs) Interesting. So, like... It, it, but it's a, you were how old were you when you did that? Oh, it's like 13, I was 11, 12. 11. Yeah, I was a kid. So yeah. was it? Do you think it was because of your frustration because like your your mom wasn't quite seeing who you were because she was so consumed with losing her other daughter? I think that was exactly it. And I don't think at the time when I was a kid, I even had the like comprehension of why I was actually doing it. I, yeah. th- I was just angry. Well, and yeah, I smashed it. Well, because like it's just sort of like it's that thing. It's also the thing that you're talking about not doing, which is essentially yeah. living in the past. Yeah, I think that's why. Um, that yeah, never thought about it, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Look at this. Yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, that could it could that could be that moment. Yeah, I think you're right. Wow. I think it might all stem from from just the, the hanging on to the, the past, the, to the to the sort of like to to the 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 grief. Yeah. Of of losing a daughter, losing a sister, mm-hmm. and that that moment where you fought back at it was essentially a strangely musical moment. <laughs> In a way, you trashed your first guitar to get out of the past and to to own yourself from your mother's, you know, to free yourself from your mother's, uh, you know, uh, or from the world we were living in. Yeah, it was just that. It was just that world, and um, you know, what world was that? Oh, just you know. The blinds are shut, it's dark in the house, that kind of world. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and, you know, I didn't even get a new guitar for the longest time. When I smashed, it was kind of <laughs> ironic. I smashed that guitar. It was literally the only guitar I ever had. <laughs> and so you were without a guitar. Yeah, I had to borrow one from Alabama Shakes guitar player, Heath. I borrowed his SG because he just had an extra guitar, and that's... that's You're yeah. a guitar player? Yeah, I borrowed a guitar from him. You knew him when you were a kid? Um, No, I... When I smashed that guitar up, yeah. I think uh only thing I had left was like my music teacher let me borrow an acoustic guitar. There you go. So that's all I had. So you had a music teacher. Oh, well, like band, like marching band. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah, of course I was a marching band. <laughs> what instrument did you play in marching band? I played the bass drum. Oh yeah? Marching bass drum. So you were a kind of a nerd kid? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was like that, and uh, yeah, I played percussion, 
And um, was that your first instrument, the drums? Yeah, drums. Basically, yeah, yeah. Because drums are free. Right. You can drum anywhere <laughs> using just your hands. Right. You got rhythm. <laughs> yeah. Me and my cousins, we first started like making money when we were real small. We would play uh, harmonica and buckets. And we would just go to people's doors, knock on the door, and just get to it. Yeah. And then like, give us a dollar. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Was it, can but, you, can you imagine you, yeah. some little kids going up and going, Woo! <laughs> it, it didn't sound good, you don't think? That was horrible. <laughs> Couldn't play harmonica. I could just breathe. You know, so How was the drumming with your cousins? It was probably pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it was just automatic. So wh- who were the people you were listening to? Because like when I listen to the records, all of them, like there just seems to be, and it's weird. Be- and congratulations, like you got a Grammy, a Grammy no- a nomination for this record I for got your two, solo record. Two of them. Oh yeah, yeah. Two which nominations. which for ones for the best rock performance? Yeah, best rock performance. Yeah. I think it was really interesting that I was nominated for rock performance. I'd, well, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you. There's like, there's like, and you've been nominated for like, and then the, the last record won for what all rock album. Yeah, it it is a hard thing to classify, though. I think what I do, I don't think I th- it's obvious. I got nominated for best rock performance yeah. and best rock song. Oh, which one? History repeats. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's sort of. I, I guess, but that doesn't bother you. I mean, obviously, being beyond categorization is something exciting. But this fact that, like, you know, is it Americana? Is it rock? Mm-hmm. Is it soul? Is it what alternative seems to be a cop out to me mm. on some level? Mm. Because, like, if I listen, but I'm also a little saturated in in a very specific era of music. You sound like a soul singer. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. feel like a soul singer? I sing for my soul. Right. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of stylistically. Stylistically, I can. I can also sound like a lot of things. Yeah, well, I know. I, I listened to uh, to Thunder Bitch. Yeah, which is that it, it reminds me of, like the New York Dolls. Yeah, or, or the Ramones or the new, the like early first wave New York punk. That's literally like one of my favorite projects I've ever done, just because it's so free, so freeing. Straight up. Yeah, <laughs> just don't give, don't care. Record rock and roll. That's it. Simple <laughs> makes you feel something. Yeah. And then the end. Yeah. Right, because I've been reading a lot about. Uh, I have to. I'm going to be in this movie, uh, this Aretha Franklin ah. biopic. So oh, I've been excited. It is exciting. Play Jerry Wexler. Oh, congrats! Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I'm do. I just read his autobiography, so I, you know, I'm reading the whole sort of movement from swing jazz to bop jazz to soul music to R&B music to crossover music to you know to Muscle Shoals right. to that right. whole scene. And there's like a vibe, you know, with that with the original band with Alabama Shakes, mm-hmm. just because of the bass player there there is a vibe and I think a recollection somehow of that place in music history yeah i think to us collectively when we first started the group alabama shakes um that was the only kind of music we could really agree on oh really we we all liked that kind of music southern soul music yeah just because it had good rhythm section um and me and zach and well all of us really really liked looking at the liner notes on those old records oh yeah because we liked knowing who was in the rhythm section yeah because we're, we're all drummers at heart so we're like oh yeah i love this drummer i loved oh yeah, duck yeah. dunn love duck dunn, duck dunn. Know, yeah James the bass Jameson. player yeah yeah and we're always looking at the liner notes and um so we were like hey let's do music like this we love this music we understand this music we were educated on this music right and um that's where it began. It was Educated really on that music, like yeah. you know, like uh, because of where you grew up or what you were listening to at home, or I think what we were, what we listened to when we were kids. Yeah, like who in particular stands out to you? Oh my goodness, um, 
I go back to doo-wop music because I spent a lot of time with my grandma. Oh, yeah. So I listened to the Crystals and the Marvelettes and, you know, all that Phil Spector stuff that he was putting out and all those big, giant reverb, uh, you know, vocals, walls of sound. Martha and the Vandellas. Yeah. And um, What was his band? The Ronettes. The Ronettes. Ronnie Spector. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the Crystals especially. I think they got great songs. And and me and my grandma dancing to that in the kitchen while we're making yeah. biscuits, you know. Right, yeah. And knowing all the words. And then eventually in my life, I run into Zach. Zach's like, oh, yeah, I know all them songs, too. Yeah. Also, check this out. Yeah. And we were really into, I mean, the the classics. I mean, Aretha, Otis. Right, That that's like, you can hear that, right? I mean, you, I can hear that in, in the records. I can hear that underneath a lot of the stuff you do still. Yeah, and a lot of people expect that I would want to emulate that, but it's just the way it came out. I didn't know my voice was as strong as it was until we were practicing together because mm. we didn't have a PA system. Right. So I'm just yelling over all these instruments. Right. And that's where and then we found out, oh, we can do this kind of material. We can do, you know, cuz you could belt it out, you yeah. could do it. Cuz I could sing Yeah, I, it doesn't strike me. I didn't, like I didn't feel like it's like it's weird when I listen to all your stuff, like and I usually when I talk to somebody who does music, I try to just spend as uh, you know a day with the music, you know, kind of going through, you know, what 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 stays true all the way through, and it doesn't feel to me like you know you're doing anything to mimic or copy or or even to as an homage. It sounds like this is how you sing. Yeah, this is how I sing. Right, but it's weird that it it drops into a groove that is a legacy of mm-hmm, something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and like I said before, that had a lot to do with what we could agree upon and what our education was, why we love that kind of music. And the, the fact of the matter was that was the golden age for musicians. And Right, especially studio cats. Yeah, and we love the studio cats. Yeah. And we love the pocket. Yeah, we're, the pocket. We nerd out about what... How'd they get that snare drum to sound like that? Yeah. Or, hey, that's not one drum set. That's a guy over here playing the cymbal. Right. And then the drummer's over here on the other side of the room. We would nerd out about stuff like that, and we were super into it. That's so wild. So, like, that's exactly Jerry Wexler's trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he was a dude that got obsessed with that studio for very specific reasons, and he had a very specific sense of what things should sound like, mm-hmm. and he just loved that place, and he loved those guys. Yeah. It was, uh, what, Spooner Oldham and Dave Hood, and I forget the other, I, I should know all the names by now, but there was, and it, it was interesting because, you know, he brings, I guess he started with, down there was with Wilson Pickett, mm-hmm. and then he brought Aretha down there, and these are all white dudes mm-hmm. that were doing this, and there was this sort of weird moment where, like, this is, these are the guys? Yeah. And they could do it. Yeah, and then I, what, what really th- struck me was that, Wexler used them for Atlantic sessions all around. Like they're all over the place. Those guys. It gives me a respect for. Them. Yeah, and that's that's what we held to the highest standard was how good is your rhythm section, and where do you place the other two guitars? Being me and he fogged other guitar players. And what do you mean shows. place them? Like in the studio? Where do, what's our purpose? No, what, oh. what's our purpose around the rhythm section? Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So the, where'd you find your guys, like the, uh, like when did you, when would you, when did you start first playing with people? In high school? Uh, no, I, I think I was in my first band when I was either 12 or 13. Uh-huh. I, I wanted, that was my number one goal was to be in a band. Because of the guys you saw? Yeah. In the gym. I was like, that's pos- that's the coolest possible thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. that I could do. Right. And I was so, de- even now when I think back on how determined and driven I was, yeah. I'm just like, how and where is that? Or has it transformed? And I still got it, but it just feels different. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I was a little kid. 
but I was breathing music. And in. you were in your band at 12? You ever had a band? Yeah, we were called Kerosene Swim Team. Kerosene Swim Team. Yeah, it's a terrible band. Yeah. yeah <laughs> we but, were 12. Yeah, but we loved it. <laughs> what were the instruments of that band? Uh, drummer, bass. Oh, you have full guitar. You, yeah, yeah. I was actually taking kids from marching band and just being like, "Do you know how to play drums?" And they're like, "Well, kind of." Like, "Well, come <laughs> to my house after school. I'm gonna teach you how to play drums. You're gonna be in my band." <laughs> and then we just had this rotating door of, right. of drummers and, like <clears> all <throat> bands should. Yeah, <laughs> rotating drummer door. You know that's and the how mythos. long did kerosene? Uh, what was it? Kerosene? Swim team. Swim team West. Man, it's so funny because we didn't really have no songs. We just right. had merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> like what kind of merchandise at twelve? Uh just shirts and hoodies. Uh -huh. We had okay. thongs. We had coffee cups. Really? Yeah, we're selling everything. Who made that for you? Uh there's some website you could do, you know. Or you could just order it? Yeah, you could just like make it and yeah. have it. Yeah, it was selling. It was selling. Oh good. Well that's good. I wonder if anyone's got one of those uh, any of that stuff left to still. Uh, so um, and then what happens? Then what's the next band? The next band, um thing was called Madame Tandori's Hammer House. It's like a prog rock band. You were in a prog rock band? Yeah. Guitar was, playing? Uh, I, yeah, I played guitar in that band. Yeah. A prog guitar player. There was like eight of us in that band. We like a trumpet player. Really experimental stuff. <laughs> and it was funny. We won a talent well. We had to win the talent show. We got people's choice at the talent yeah. show. And there was, this, there was this one kid's drunk dad. And he was just like, woo! He's like, man, I love that. It's not like Rush. <laughs> Rush, <laughs> you got the prog rock guy. Yeah, so we got that dude's dad, and um, and then after that, uh, we s I just did my own thing. Yeah, didn't have a band for a while. Just played, wrote music. Did and you then, play out at that time mm -mm. on your own? No, you were no, just no, singing no. and writing songs. Yeah, there, you know where I'm from. There really wasn't anywhere to play hmm. at all. Um, but eventually, I got into high school, and I met Zach, bass player. Yeah, I still play with him to this day. Yeah, you guys seem tight. Yeah, that's my brother. Yeah. Yeah, we we both have like a really mutual respect for each other. And yeah. Just kind of getting it. So we, we yeah, because he's on the new record. Yeah, oh yeah. I play with him, I tour with him. And, and you know, he's also my best friend. Yeah. Because um, he's playing with some heavies on this record. Mm-hmm. And he fits right in. That's great. Yeah, talented dude. And also the funniest dude I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah. The dude, God, he's so quick. Yeah. Cracks me up. He's good. He reminds me of like that old style studio guy from that seventies yeah. era, you know, or sixties. Yeah. He's legit, but yeah. Once we started playing together, we both just practiced like after school every day. Just the two of you? Yeah, just two of us. You on guitar and him on the bass. And then sometimes you know, he'd play drums or I play drums or I play some keys on it. And we just kinda of made our own little songs. Uh huh. And it was just me and Zach for a long time. And then um we met our drummer Steve. He worked at uh he worked at the only music shop we had and, in, uh, in Athens. Mm -hmm. And I just came in. I saw him playing drums. I was like, hey, you want to jam sometime? And he was like, sure. <laughs> and he came by and we yeah. jammed. He was like, oh, man, I'd love to be in y'all's band. And I was like, for real? Because at the time, he was like the best drummer in town. So I was like, whoa. I was like, Zach, we're cooking now. Yeah. We did like a little demo at the studio. And then he just as a three piece, as a three piece, yeah. And then Heath, the guitar player. See, the thing is, Heath was in Stoned Phillips, he was the guitar player from the band you saw yes. when you were a kid, yeah. <laughs> and he hits us up, he has a band, they're cool as hell, they're called Tuco's Pistol, yeah. And he he was like, Hey, I want y'all to open. I heard y'all's demo, I want y'all to open for us for Stone Phillips, no, it was new, no, band. Tuco Pistol, Tuco's right, Pistol. right, got it. And I was like, Well. Actually, if you help us out by playing with us a little bit, you know, we could probably do that. And he's like, all right, I'll do that. 
So now we got Heath Fogg, who I thought was like the coolest guitar player. Because they, Two Coast Pistol played cool music, yeah. especially for Athens, Alabama. They played Prince, David Bowie. They they played all that stuff, glam stuff. Covers? Yeah. All covers? Far less. Yeah. Than, yeah and it, but it was awesome. Yeah. And so now we got the band. <laughs> you, got, you stole them from yeah, Two Coast Pistol. I did steal them. You know, and... And we opened up the show, and we had like 30 minutes worth of covers. We had like three original songs. And um, first time I ever sang in front of anybody is a bar. It's called The Brick Deli. Uh It's in Decatur, Alabama. And Hmm. they sell sandwiches. They sell beer. Yeah. And they got a little stage in the corner. And you did it? So I was so nervous. And somebody else had played. They left. And so here we come walking on stage, and everybody's looking at us like crazy. Yeah. We look so different from each other. Does, does uh, Zach have the beard and stuff already? I think he had a mustache at that time. Uh-huh. Like one of them curly ones. Yeah. And a golfer cap. <laughs> yeah. So he's going up there. Yeah. And then here's this big, tall black woman going up there. Yeah. And then here's Heath, who looks like a nice guy. Yeah. And then there's Steve in the back with a Celtics jersey on yeah. the drum set. And people were looking at us like, what is this about to sound like? And we started a set with a James Brown cover. And we just hit him like that. And people were just... What? Sat up in the seat. What the? Yeah. 30 yeah. minutes flew by. I don't even remember it. But you killed, huh? Oh, people were standing up and in, clapping. And I was like, I can't believe it. They <laughs> like it. And then the best part, Mark, yeah. at the end of the night, I walk off the stage and they hand me some money. <laughs> it was $200. Yeah. And I was like, what's this for? And I was like, do I split this? They're like, no, that's for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I can pay my utility bill with this. <laughs> what about the rest of the guys? Everybody got paid. Oh, Everybody yeah. got paid two hundred dollars. Really? Yeah, which is like crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. That's great. I mean, that was like probably the only time we ever got paid that good, you know, during that time period. But hey, it, it's what's nice. It, it's a good way to sort of give you incentive, right? Well, it was supposed to be a one-off, Mark. We right. Weren't, we weren't going to stay a band. It was just supposed to be like a, a thing. But well, so what was that conversation? I mean, what was like uh, like Heath? What did he? How did that kind of evolve? Because like now that you mention why you liked him and and that second band, Two Crows Pistol, is like there is some, especially on you know the second record, you can hear that type of rock music moving through some of those songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's it, there's almost a sort of a, a Bowie-ish kind. I can't remember which song I'm Dunes. thinking of. Yeah, Dunes. Yeah. And it, it, and it's it just strikes me that you kind of this the the chemistry between you guys and the respect and that he comes from that type of music he's mm-hmm. got a mind for it it kind of worked out huh it all worked out I mean that's the thing right after the show we all kind of stood and like sounds like a scene from a movie but we were all standing in a circle putting his money in our pockets and we looked at each other and I was like well guys that was really fun and he was like yeah that was awesome and we all looked at each other like. We should do this again. Yeah. And that's kind of how Alabama Shakes started. We just kept playing, kept writing original songs. Uh-huh. And, and that was that. And we just, word of mouth, like we played with other bands and we actually got shows. We would drive all the way five hours to play one show, get paid $100 yeah. for all of us. And then, right. you know, we and just that, did it because we were making music. That's real band shit. Yeah, that's, that's real shit. Yeah. And wait, now, how long did you, do you, did you continue to play a few covers? Yeah, we always play covers just because it's fun. You know, we play some Zeppelin. I really, I really like Led Zeppelin a lot. I, I really like that kind of music. Yeah, which, lot. which tunes? Which Zeppelin? How many more times? Yeah, uh, we play some uh, Living, Loving, Made. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, Lemon Song. Yeah, 
the the crunch. Yeah. Is that what it's called? The, the grunge. The crunch. crunge. Yeah. The crunge. Yeah. yeah. The crunch, yeah. But yeah, you like the Zeppelin. I love Zeppelin. Yeah. I also play ACDC, Let There Be Rock. Yeah. And I played that whole solo. You did? Oh, I made myself stay up and learn the whole thing. Angus's wicks? Yeah, because I was like, if they see a tall black woman playing this solo, they're going to call us back. <laughs> so I was like, I got to learn it. I got to learn it. And I stayed up and I learned all of it till my fingers hurt so bad. But it made me a better guitar player. And You played Let There Be Rock? Hell yeah, I did. What? Yep. We, we in played, the beginning. In the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Also, um, we played uh, Fairies Wear Boots, Black Sabbath. But so we're doing those like kind of you know heavy, you know yeah classic rock songs hard rock yeah yeah and then also we were doing James Brown we were doing Loretta Lynn yeah and we were taking those songs and kind of making them how we can make it yeah you know? kind of like that garage rock kind of ode to doo wop though like, sure you know like what well, and also like you know by doing that you you sort of give yourself this interesting musical education mm-hmm. right because Absolutely. like you know by by integrating all of that stuff into your voices into your voice and into the band's voice then you know it, it all informs the originals right yeah yeah exactly and i learned so much about music just from the other guys like steve would be like i really like this song space trucking by was it deep purple Deep purple yeah and i was like come on let's come give it a shot <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah and and that, that's that. That is what formed. That's what started happening when we were gonna record boys and girls. It was just kind of like take a garage rock take on some of that music from back then. That was yeah. actually a lot more um, produced. Produced, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mainstream big rock sounds. Right. So then, but it, it, it's weird because I don't like. I don't feel like. Do you feel like that first record's a garage record? It seemed pretty tight to me and kind of like soulful and didn't seem didn't feel like. It felt tight. I just well, we played tight, but I just remember how it felt when we were performing the oh, shows. Yeah, right, right, sure. It was very rock and roll. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we used to be drinking back then and everything. Yeah, you know? but um, then then there was Sound and Color, and Sound and Color is actually a record that I I really took a lot of the reins on because um, we had been touring so hard. The guys kind of took a break. I think. Um, one of them had some kids, you know. I you can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Somebody was having a child. I yeah. think, and it was just you know. I'll just put it this way: everybody deserved a break. Right. We've been working our asses off, touring so much, touring that record so hard, and I just kind of forgot to like take a break, and I went straight into. Um, maybe I took a month off, but went straight into writing material for Sound and Color, and it was just kind of different. Everything was different. What was the thought? What, what, what was different about it? Like what changed? You felt like you had more experience, I imagine. You felt like you had uh, some sort of skill set and a following. I think just being curious, mm. wanting to make something that I was excited by. Yeah. So, what was the approach? What, what was like? You know, like how did you know it was different? It was because I was multi-tracking a lot of the songs myself, like mm. doing demos. Yeah. And I, but I, the difference was I would have everything fleshed out. Uh-huh. Uh, all the parts. All the parts, and and I would have this song. And then I would just put it away, and then I'd do another one, and then I'd do wow, another one. Okay. And then I'd be like, this one, I want to write a string section on it. And I was just creating in such a different way. I was staying up all hours of the night, just getting yeah. weird. Yeah. I, built like a, <laughs> <laughs> I built like a spaceship studio setting yeah. down in my basement. There was a bat that lived in my basement, and I didn't really? even get rid of him, just let him live in there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. He, ate the, he, he brings ate, something. Yeah, he ate the bugs. And <laughs> so how, yeah. how, does, how does Blake Mills get involved in this? 
Um, you know, I always have a. I've always. Had, I really loved Blake's record, Break Mirrors. Yeah, I thought that was just like the coolest sounding record, and I really loved his songwriting style. I thought it was really unique. And that and weirdo guitar he plays. Loved, uh, love his guitar playing. Yeah. And but the thing I loved the most about Blake was his attention to detail. Yeah, because I, I love details. Right. And so hearing him and how he made everything important. Yeah. Um. We wanted to find a producer really for someone who could get us organized and get us, like, so to speak, light a fire under our ass. Cause yeah. We were kind of just chilling. Right. Like, I had some stuff, but we were mostly just chilling. Right. Which felt great because we had been on a very long tour. Um, but you put together a few demos. So you put mm-hmm. together like a handful of songs, right? Oh, yeah. I, I'd say I had most of the record. Yeah. Yeah. Because like on that record, because you can hear with Blake, I know he's real sort of a perfectionist and kind of anal about stuff. But it's it's interesting because, like you said, everything stands out. But like there's there's almost a shape to the bass notes mm-hmm. with like you know like he's got a, some sort of strange ear, doesn't he? He, he has a wonderful ear. Yeah. I mean, it's like insane. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's one of a kind for sure. And did he play it all on the record? No. A bit? No, he just really. He just... I think he, he might have done some percussion on one of the songs. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. So at that point, like working with a guy like that and and having the experience of sort of collectively producing the first album, Mm. which is just kind of raw rock approach, you started to feel like you wanted to tackle it. You started to understand production a little better from doing it uh, like in the basement with the bat and then working with Blake and then going into a solo record. You're like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Well, I will definitely say I was also producing on Sound and Color. Uh We were producing together right. all of us as, sure. a, as a group um and the songwriting and all the parts and every i i had produced um most of the record yeah and i guess it's hard for me to understand exactly how how, how yeah, it all works me too because there's like you know there's an engineer there's that, a producer right, right and then there's like another producer like I, I don't know what's credits and what isn't i don't know i don't know either really i yeah. think that was always kind of confusing to yeah. me as well because i just thought i actually until that point thought that all bands wrote their own music i had no idea that right <laughs> I had no idea people didn't write their own music oh yeah so when i went in there it was a bit of like a struggle getting used to someone have give me some ideas. Um, Being Blake, yeah, yeah. It, it was just because I'm not used to it. Sure, and just trying to figure that out. Yeah, but then it really developed into just like a really healthy respect of each other's minds, and uh, it turned to be it turned out to be something wonderful and for me uh, life altering. How long does it take to uh, record a record like that? I can't remember. A while. Maybe a month. Really? Maybe. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to remember at this point, but I think a month. Maybe. Now, it was life-altering for you just in terms of, of where it, the attention it brought the band? or There was that, but it was also the type of songs we were doing. I, I felt freer uh-huh. because I didn't want to be soul revival band because there's so much more to, well, I'll just speak for myself. Yeah. I'm sure to the other guys as well, but there's so much more to me musically that's yeah. more interesting than staying there. Did you feel like you were? there was a threat of you staying there, or that there was some people that wanted you there? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, people love putting things in boxes, and yeah. they love being able to figure it out. So they would look at me and be like, oh, yeah, big black woman sings soul music. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> but I was like, but that's not all of who I am. Right. So when we started doing Sound and Color, there was more of my expression that got to be free. Songs like Gemini, songs like Dunes. I, yeah. wrote, I wrote that song um, 
to completion after I watched a movie. You know, like being able to. I watched Dune. Yeah, I watched Dune. (laughs) I didn't like it, but I did get that song. (laughs) A lot going on in that movie. Yeah, there's too much going on in that movie. Um, But yeah, being free and then further more doing this record now, being totally free. Jamie. Yes. Well, I mean, working with um, Robert Glasper and uh, with the drummer, what's his name, Nate? Nate Smith. I mean, these are these are real, you know, jazz dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and how did how did you get involved with them? It like goes it goes back to the beginning. My passion is rhythm sections. Right. My 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 passion first and foremost is players. I yeah. love musicians. I wouldn't really consider myself. A musician, yeah, but I can pick up an instrument and use it as a means to an end. Sure, I like just creating things. Yeah, and so I've been following Nate for probably three years now. Just him as a drummer. Yeah, I love drummers. Yeah, and I to me he's my favorite drummer in the whole world. Really, I think he's the greatest drummer in the world. What what now what what determines something like that? Because like I listen to drummers, I'm sure I listen to them much different than you do. But it took me a while to really appreciate the differences and the nuances. So mm-hmm. what? What about his drummer? What does he do? What's his uh, signature thing that he does that makes you go like, this guy's the guy? Have you ever heard him play? I heard him on your record. and I'm sure, oh. I think I've heard him with, I don't know who else he's played with. He has his own group called Kim Folk. But just any drum shop video he's doing, the thing I love the most about Nate Smith is the way he expresses himself through drums. It's not like, look at me. Yeah. I can technically do all this stuff. Uh-huh. It's like the way he does it. Uh-huh. The way he does it to me feels like the dirt of the earth, like uh-huh. original, you know, talking about like goat skin strapped to like a log, like original uh-huh. drum, like original what it's about Deep. gets in people. Yeah, He has a lot of emotion in the way he expresses himself through the drum skins. And that's why I relate to Nate Smith and why I wanted him and asked him to be on this record. Wow. And it's the same thing with Robert Glasper. Robert has a very big personality. You should have him on the show, actually. I'd like to. I mean, I you know, like I've been spending a lot of time the last couple of years really kind of trying to get into jazz deeper. Mm-hmm. And that the, the, that there's that amazing new movie out about Blue Note Records, you know, Beyond the Notes. Mm-hmm. And and he's all through it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he's a new Blue Note guy. He's connecting a lot of young people. That's right. Back to jazz. Right. Be through hip hop, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it, it all makes sense. It does. It, it's all connected. Yeah. And I wanted Rob on it because Rob was doing, a, I, I, first of all, I love his playing. I love his personality. I love who he is. Yeah. He loves what he does. Yeah. And I wanted some of that energy on this record. Uh-huh. And, and I really wanted him, not, you know, I, I wrote a lot of parts that needed to be how they were. Mm-hmm. But then there was also a song, 13th Century Metal, where he just went in. Yeah, that's a trippy song, man. What, what what's the story on that? On that it's, song? it's funny. We're working on another song, yeah. And we, and we had set up these keyboards. You know, yeah. we, were, we were looking for like a funny, wonky sound. Yeah. And we said, "Hey, Rob, go in there and, and mess with that keyboard. Let's get some sounds off that keyboard real quick." <laughs> yeah. And he just goes in there and just starts playing it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Eight minutes later, we had the whole song. Oh my god! And like, why that title? I mean, not that it matters. Well, it just sounds like that to me. 13th century yeah, metal. Yeah, playing like some like Gregorian chords. Like, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like trippy and then like the guitars coming at the end and it's like really chaotic and right. oppressive. And, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. The thing is like I love music. It, yeah. it, I know that sounds so cheesy and corny and goofy but I just it does something to me that when I hear it 
I see things, I visualize things, I go elsewhere. I just really am taken to a different place, and and it elevates me. Like listening to it can change my entire uh, perception of what I'm going through. Just, really, just a song. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really important to me, and it's it's entertaining. Of course, music is entertaining, but it's also like it's something something else is going on. It feels that way, you know, because when I watch you perform and sing, like I get emotional. And I don't eat, like, and I'm not even that big a words guy. Like, uh-huh. you know, I, I'm not, it's not about the words. Uh-huh. It's about what you put into it. Mm-hmm. And there's a, 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 a like a, a rawness to it and a, an honesty to it that's almost overwhelming for me. <laughs> you know what? I, I, get, I get moved. And it's not even about, like, I, I, I have to listen to an album three times before I can even hear words. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I hear. I hear melody, I hear rhythm, mm-hmm. and I hear, you know, uh, hooks, I hear guitars, I hear all the other instruments, but words are very hard for me to focus on. Yeah. Because if I'm going to focus on words, I'm not listening to any of the other stuff. I just, I, I, first thing I hear is, uh, what's this drum beat doing? Yeah. What's that bass player doing? Yeah. Well, what's the point of these guitars? What's the point of these guitars? People just be putting guitars on everything, just solos, and let me put this on here and put this part over here, just like, what's it doing? Yeah. What's it doing? I feel like there's not a lot of people who are asking that question, what's it for? Well, you, you're very deliberate about the guitar parts. Like there was one I was just listening to. I don't know if it's on the new one or if it's on the other one where it, there's like a, I think it's on uh, on the Sound and Color where it's almost like it's a guitar run underneath. It's playing the, the rhythm to a degree, but it's a note for note thing that repeats itself. Mm. It's like a big arc of a riff. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what song it's on, but it, it's a very decisive kind of guitar trip going on there yeah it's just it's just supposed to inform you how you're supposed to feel when you're about to listen to these words everything's connected and what's but what about your sense of melodies that just happened naturally yeah the melody it has to feel good to sing and it also has to carry my message whatever i'm trying to relate to somebody i got to be singing like that on this record that i just put out jamie i sing so many different ways yeah because to me everything's like a little vignette yeah it's like this is how I feel right now. But sometimes I feel this way. Yeah. Sometimes I'm outraged. 13th century metal. (laughs) I have no singing to do. I just got to tell you what I got to tell you. Right. There's songs like that. And then there's songs where I feel small, feel juvenile. A song like Georgia makes me feel like a child and I have to sing it like a child. Where'd that one come from? How do you mean? The song. Did it come from a childhood experience or the thoughts of it? No, it was just like sort of like a fantasy world. Oh, the emotions were childish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a a fantasy world. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And that's how I came at things. I came at it like this because I'm like, that's how I may be able to get people to feel where I'm coming from. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's like a doorway into you. Yeah. Yeah. Which, when you say that, it makes me sound like I'm giving myself some kind of extra importance. But I don't know. It's not like it's not like about that because people ask me like, "Well, why'd you do this record?" I'm just like, uh, "Making records, kind of what I do. I don't have a great answer. (laughs) I don't have like a great, brilliant philosophical answer. Uh, You know? Yeah. Well, it's not like. Well, I think like well, getting back to the child thing, like it's interesting you say that because like when you offer that part of yourself up, when you and when you show your your childish emotions, especially if somebody like like me, I think there's the emotional honesty of of showing your childishness emotionally is uh is probably the realest you can be mm-hmm. in a way you, mm-hmm. you know because like I know emotionally i'm I'm a fucking child. <laughs> 
Uh, most of us are. So. Right? <laughs> so, so, like, if there's an opportunity where I can show that without being found out in a way uh-huh. or, or actually engaged in an interaction where I'm behaving childishly, mm-hmm. that there's a real honesty to that. It's, it's, almost, uh, it's almost, you know, heartbreaking and, and beautiful if you have that within you to, to show it. Yeah, I feel like it, ideally, yeah. if everyone was running around being more like children in a, how do I say this, in a more positive, joyous way. Right, open way. Like, a, yeah. Yeah. Embracing the, yeah. Um, well, let's say the world would probably be a lot more fun to be in. That's for sure. But it seems like everyone's running away from being a child. They don't want to be a child. They don't want to act childish. They don't want to cry when they need to cry because they're scared. Well, that's one thing. But I think that there's the childishness. Like the one thing I noticed about myself, I don't know if you've, I don't know where your, where your anger is, but, uh, but if you have childish emotions and you rage like a child, but you're a grown adult, mm-hmm. that's scary. Well, yeah, but now you got to take care of that little kid in you that's angry. I know. But you're grown. I know. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Right. You know, because I find myself, I used to, you know, rage out and throw tantrums. And I'm like, you know, if you're five, you know, this is manageable. You get by. Right. Yeah. But, you know, you're 45, dude. No. And and it's like toxic. Yeah, you ain't going to get by with that one. (laughs) Somebody going to pull your card one day <laughs> and beat you down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my card got pulled a couple times. But yeah, you know, so, that, and that's a, that's the kind of work I'll do with my creativity too, uh-huh. is to process that stuff. Yeah, I think that's the same thing as, as what I'm doing, is processing out loud yeah. in front of everyone. Right. Night after night. Right, but music is magic, so you know, you got that. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just talking. There's there's a magic to it. So, you mm-hmm. know, you, you surround your expression of these emotional truths mm-hmm. with beautiful sounds, mm-hmm. melodies, drums, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it goes in that way. Mm-hmm. If you were just up there talking, going like, I'm fucked up. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, this isn't entertaining. I'm I don't I would go to that show. That's as honest as you can get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm fucked a, up and here's why. This is it. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Yeah, you know, music, being a being a, a musician up there, sing, yeah. I don't really like the talking part where you got to be like, hey, guy, welcome to the show, yeah. waka, 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 yeah. all that stuff. I don't like that stuff. That's not, I don't, I'm not real good at that. Yeah. I'm Very actually, few musicians are. You're I'm actually kind of a bashful person. Uh-huh. Uh, I like to laugh. I like to have fun. Yeah. But I don't like giving group speeches. Yeah. Um, but when you're singing, you have the vibrations and you have all this information. Uh-huh. Everything's information. Yeah. And then I'm also saying what I'm saying to you. And everything gets to resonate to this giant crowd of people who also are having their own feelings and creating this own, their own energy within this auditorium and theater. Yeah. And there's a, 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 a symbiotic thing going on. But it's a crazy feeling. I bet. Yeah. You're playing in big houses now, right? Yeah, pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Are you meeting a lot of your heroes? Um. I have, I have um, heroes. Well, because you know, you get higher up the rung in show business. All of a sudden, you're hanging out with those people where you're like, "Oh my god, that's yeah, that person." It's so interesting. Uh, my heroes are people you wouldn't really expect. Yeah, like, like uh, there's someone named Georgia Ann Muldrow. Uh-huh. She's a producer. She makes music herself, and she's someone who really inspires me. Yeah. Yeah, her honesty, her childlike nature. She's so open. Where'd you get hip to her? Um, my keyboard player told me about her a few years ago. Uh-huh. And once I started listening to her music, I was like, 
I, when I was growing up, I'm not accustomed to seeing female producers. Mm -hmm. The first female producer I could think of was Missy Elliott. Yeah. I was, it was hugely inspired that she was doing everything by herself. Yeah. And I'll never forget her saying into the camera, I think it was MTV Cribs. Yeah. She's like, if you want to make real money, <laughs> you got to write it, produce it, and sing it, and make your own videos. Yeah. And she's like, that's where it's at. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'll do that then. That sunk in. <laughs> yeah. And um, so George Ann Muldrow yeah. is, is a hero that um, I think goes unsung. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to be on the road with her uh-huh. and play with her and watch her do her thing, sing with her, and uh, that's just that's just elevated my mood to a thousand percent. Like it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To that's actually get to work with the people that you respect, it's great. Yeah, and seeing her do her thing, man. And it's like a hero's like you know everybody would expect like oh yeah you got to meet uh, I don't know like uh, Sammy Hagar or like whatever someone's <laughs> hero I don't know did you meet Sammy Hagar no I just don't can't yeah, think no. of any musical heroes but Paul McCartney oh okay but Paul mm-hmm. he's a cool guy yeah like it's funny too right? I like the Beatles and stuff I didn't grow up on the Beatles yeah. like a lot of people yeah. older than me did yeah the Beatles to me was like de facto, like this is this is uh, music, this is hits, this is yeah. what music's supposed to, this is like one of those pinnacles that was there. And yeah. I kind of took it for granted in a way because it wasn't new. Right. It's like, like it was always there. It's familiar. It's just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's an so ever present. I kind of took it for granted, but, yeah. but then I started listening to the Beatles more and I was like, wow, this is, this shit's sick. I really like John Lennon. Yeah, I liked his songs course, a yeah. lot. And um, then I met Paul McCartney. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And he was like the coolest dude to hang out with. Yeah. I hung out with him one night. He was up later than me. I left club at 2 a.m. He was still there. Yeah. Till like 4 a.m. <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> and then I got to sing with him, and he was just the nicest, most disarming, uh, just cool, chill dude. Yeah, I met him once. I talked. I interviewed him publicly, and yeah, I was sort of surprised. Yeah, yeah, he's well, fun. He, well, yeah, because you got to figure like that guy's been a public personality since he was like twenty. Yeah, he's made for it too. I mean, yeah, yeah. but it's like uh, there's it, it's his whole life. Yeah, if you were in the Beatles, which one do you think you'd be? I was well. That was weird because I was always a John person. Yeah. Okay. You know, and uh, you know, because I grew up with them. I, I was. I'm still not that age. You know, but I. You know, because they were when I bought those records. I was in high school in the '80s, so mm-hmm. that was done. Yeah. But I, I definitely knew the Beatles and I had their records. But uh, for you know, I was I was a John person, and when I when I got the opportunity to to interview Paul, mm-hmm. there was really part of me was sort of like, oh man, but I'm fucking John guy. You know, like when I'm. When am I going to talk to this other dude for? You know, like I was, I really thought that, like, oh, Paul, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. I guess I'll do it. Yeah, but yeah. it was amazing. Exactly, it's a fucking Beatle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when when you like singing with him? Oh, it was fun. Yeah, it was, it was fun as hell. Yeah, I was nervous because here's the funny story: we were playing um, "Get Back." Yeah, there was solo in it, right? Yeah, and I was like, I'm about to go out here, Lollapalooza, like eighty thousand people out here, and. I had it in my head that I was going to be the one playing the solo. On the guitar? So, yeah. So I practiced it front, backwards, upside down, every way. Because I was like, there's, I bet out of this 80,000 people, about 20,000 of them play guitar. Yeah. And if I get up here and bungle this solo, <laughs> they're going to boo me. Yeah. So I practiced till my fingers hurt. And I had this solo. I mean, I couldn't have messed it up. Could have done it any kind of way. Underwater. Yeah. And I go up there and they're like, Brittany, how are you going to sing with me? And I come out. And I'm like, whoa, the stage is lit up. It's got yeah. all these like disco lights on it. So I'm yeah. like distracted. Whoa, this is cool. Uh-huh. Get up there, start singing the song. Time for the solo. Crank my guitar up. Go to play. And I hear somebody else's tone playing my solo. I yeah. look over. 
and the guitar player got the solo. I'm like, hey man, <laughs> I got it. Stop. <laughs> Stop playing that solo. I got it. Yeah. We just, you know, we and just we just both played it. <laughs> <laughs> we just both played it. The dual lead. Yeah. Yeah. Because I went yeah. back and down. I had practiced too hard. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> uh, did, did you guys laugh about that? Did you know it happened? I don't even think he noticed. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exciting, man. So you guys played it uh, at that. At, what was that? Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza. Yeah. Lollapalooza. You played there and mm-hmm. the main stage too. Mm-hmm. That's big, right? Yeah, it's it it really big, really big, really big deal. You know, with Alabama Shakes, we've done a lot of crazy things, a lot of things I never thought I would do, such as moving out of the South or you know. Seeing, Where are you living now? I live in Taos, New Mexico now. I grew up in New Mexico. No kidding. Where'd you grow up? Albuquerque. Yeah, I live in Taos. Wow, what the hell's going on in Taos now? I don't know. I can't even imagine it. Like I went when I used to ski there when I was a kid. I know there's things going on up there. Like people are living around there. Mm-hmm. I, I've, my recollection of the town was just this ski town. You know. You know when when you travel as much as I do, and you go to all these cities, it's always yeah. cities. You want to go somewhere naturally beautiful. Sure. So that's why I found this beautiful house. Like a, you know. Yeah. It's not an earthship. It's like an underground sure. house. And I got a it's underground house. Yeah. It's called a berm house. Uh-huh. It's just it's just literally just the tops covered with earth. Beautiful wow. house. Yeah. It's wild. Beautiful view in a mountain. Yeah. Uh, I have elk in my yard like yeah. daily. Oh, that's but, beautiful. Um, I like to keep it very chill when I'm home. And then when I'm on the road, it's all crazy. Fireworks, all this stuff, you know. No, Taos is beautiful. And it's just, it's like, I... It's it's kind of a hassle to get there, though, isn't it? Don't you? What do you fly into Albuquerque and then drive? Yeah, but I'm moving now. You're moving now. I gotta move, dude. I, I can't I can't be doing this my life, which makes me happy. Yeah. My work and at the end of a tour, taking like the whole day just to get back home. So you're not you're getting out of town. Yeah, that's the idea. Okay, that's the idea. I don't I like I don't want to, but. I'm going to die. I'm going to kill myself doing this stuff, like going all the way back and then all the way back again for like staying home for two days, but one of them days was just traveling. And then right, I, you stay home for two days and you got to drive two and a half hours to the airport, to the airport three and, hours? And then make my connections to the place I'm going to. Yeah, that drives rough. Oh, yeah, and forget about it if you're going overseas. It's just crazy. From Albuquerque? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, well, you, you got to like, connect three like times. Three connections. Yeah. yeah. Can't do it. Fascinating stuff. so what's going on with okay so you uh, you're touring this record the solo record now Mm -hmm. yeah uh just finished up a tour last night in oakland how'd that go it's awesome great it's awesome and you're touring with robert and nate i'm not touring with robert oh i am touring with nate Uh uh-huh um i have an eight-piece band Uh uh-huh everybody's necessary i got two guitar players brad allen williams alex shakur I got two key key players. I got yeah. Paul Horton. I got Lloyd Buchanan. I got two singers with me, Shanae Johnson, Carita Law. Uh-huh. And then I got Nate Smith on the drums and Zach Cocker on bass. Zach. Yeah, rhythm section. It's solid now. Yeah, yeah. It's solid now. I love my band. I love what I do more than ever. That's great. Yeah. And and now we're, is there, I guess it's a dumb question, but are there any, is, is there any hard feelings when you do the project outside of the shakes? Or is it that, are you just moving on? Are you gonna? Is that done? Or you don't think about it like that? Uh, I don't really think about it so much like that. I think of it kind of fluidly. Uh-huh. Like with me leaving the shakes was really really hard because by nature I don't ever want to hurt anyone. Right. And it was a hard decision choosing myself or, or choosing my brothers because mm-hmm. they are my brothers. Yeah. And it, I didn't know how to do it in a way that wasn't going to hurt someone. Yeah. And 
I thought, you know, honesty is the best policy. Right. And so I had to speak on it, how tired and, and exhausting it was to always be the one uh, working. Mm-hmm. And um, I had just determined that I, I've, I've spent so much of my time working, I haven't really enjoyed yeah. why I work right. in a long time. Yeah. And so I had to tell them, and we sat down and we talked about it. I mean, we spent half a day just sitting there talking about it and me just trying to tell them that it's not any anybody's fault. It's not anything anybody did or it couldn't have been helped. I think it's just the natural way of things. And at first when I was tell when I was talking to them about leaving the shakes, I had no intentions of making a record. Yeah. I just wanted to go on like a road trip. Yeah. I just wanted to go live wherever I wanted to live and just have have my own life without my decisions affecting anyone else. Yeah. It was very it was, it was very symbiotic being in a band, you know. Yeah. Uh, anything I do, they get asked about, and anything they do, I get, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think at the end of it, everyone understood. It was really definitely loving, did it in the most loving, honest way I possibly could. And then I went on that road trip, and I looked at new places to live and made my own decisions for myself. That was a big me. shift. Yeah. yeah, it was a big shift, because I'm not the kind of person that's like, I'm not a selfish person. Yeah. I usually think of myself last yeah because that's just how that's just you know yeah that's how a lot of women are raised in this country actually yeah so thinking of myself first is very strange and i felt kind of guilty about it yeah because it makes it sound selfish but it's not selfish it's just being good to yourself sure and also like you said you know this is it you live once yeah as far as we know yeah and you know and you want to keep moving forward and experience new things and, and have that kind of freedom and, you know, only answer to yourself. It's, yeah, it's a great choice to make. So that's, so in the, in our here road, we are. on that road trip, that's where I made a decision. Like, well, what am I going to do? Yeah. I was like, shit. Yeah. I'm not good at anything else. <laughs> <laughs> what, were you really thinking about doing other things? Yeah. I mean, did you, were you going to start a farm? No, yeah, I was going to be a fly fishing guy. Oh, fly <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but there, was there a moment though where you were sort of like, "I'm done. I can't do music right now." I yeah, yeah, definitely, oh, definitely. Wow. I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm so tired," and I I never in my life ever want to do it for the wrong reasons, yeah. which is money. Right. I don't I don't want to do it for money because that's when you, that's when I dilute everything I love, mm. and the reason I live is to do this. Yeah. So I can't possibly do that. So, eventually, somewhere on a road trip, I was like, "Uh, God, I guess I have to." Uh, Guess I'm gonna make a record. Yeah, I'm gonna reckon with me. <laughs> yeah, and I and that's and that's where it got started. That's where it all began. And like you said, now I'm now I'm sitting here before you talking about it. Well, it's it's a great record, Thank you. and I'm I'm a big fan. I find you know what you do very uh, raw and moving and and new and exciting. I like it all. Thank you so much. And it was Thank great you. talking to you. Great talking to you. Thanks for coming. I'm a huge fan of the show, by the way. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, of course. Wow, that was cool, right? Talking to her? It was for me. Did you enjoy listening? The new record, or like, well, get any Alabama Shakes record, and her new, uh, her newest is a solo album called uh, Jamie, and uh, she's nominated for two Grammys. Best Rock Song and Best Rock Performance for History Repeats from Jamie. And uh, that was awesome. I, I enjoyed that. Happy Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Make sure you don't hurt yourself in the new year. And now I'm going to play some music that I recorded a little earlier, and it took me like an hour to land on this groove, which I imagine I've done before. Monkey! All right, listen. 
lives. <laughs>